United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, and what an exciting time for women's soccer and women in the game right here, right now. And we are dedicating this entire show to incredible women. We kick off with Karina LeBlanc, who heads up women's soccer for CONCACAF. And she is working with Jeff Van Dusen as we speak on doing big things at this year's United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City with every member of CONCACAF as we look to get more and more women leading their national team programs and taking on big roles. Of course, Karina LeBlanc played in five World Cups and two Olympics for Canada. She was a big media personality before she went to UNICEF and now with CONCACAF. When she played at Canada, she was with Kaylin Kyle, who's also a big-time media personality now. She joins us for segment one, and then Karina LeBlanc in segment two really digs in to what she hopes to accomplish at the United Soccer Coaches Convention in Kansas City. You'll like both those segments. We've got a new head coach at the University of Minnesota Women's Soccer Erin Chastain. She attended Minnesota when Minnesota started their varsity program in 1993 after a great run at DePaul as the head coach and stops at Northwestern and Santa Clara as an assistant coach. She's going home to Minnesota. Erin Chastain, of course, married Chad Chastain, the brother of Brandy Chastain. So that's always fun to talk about as well. And she's still got that Minnesota accent. She is so much fun. Erin Chastain is on the show. And then we end, as you remember, last week we talked to Dr. Missy Price, the current president of United Soccer Coaches. Well, in January, she'll hand off the gavel to Dr. Ashley Fontes Comber, who will become the new president of United Soccer Coaches. Another fascinating, powerful, powerful woman. What a show. And it starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Our show is packed with all women, and I'm talking power playing women, beautiful inside and out, doing beautiful things for the beautiful game. We are joined by two Canadian superstars, two really international superstars, to be fair. Karina LeBlanc, the head of women's football at CONCACAF, who played at five World Cups and two Olympics for Canada, and also Kaylin Kyle, the multi-talented Kaylin Kyle, who also was part of a couple Olympics and a couple World Cups as well. Karina and Kaylin, two rock stars, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thank you. So <laughs> I was green. I was about to let you go first. And then I knew we were both going to jump in together. But uh, Dean, it's always a pleasure being able to speak with you. And then it's obviously an honor to 
be on with Karina LeBlanc. I'm excited, Dean, to be on with Kaylin and you. So this is how it's going to go. <laughs> Oh, it's awesome. I mean, let, let's just go back to old school, right? I mean, Karina, we'll start with you. When did you know that Kaylin was a big time personality? Cause she's really taken off right now. Did you know as players that she had this ability to be this TV superstar? Absolutely. Kaylin has always been at the global level. Even when the, if the first time anybody meets her, you remember Kaylin right away. It's like, oh, there she is. And I mean, even as a teammate, just the character and individual that she was as a human being, you know that her intentions were right. And for me, it was one of the things where I, well, she's first of all, somebody you want on your side. Because when you play with her on the field, you don't want to be playing against her. You're like, come on, that's my girl. And then, you know, since retirement, she's gone off to just do incredible things and create a whole path, create a whole lane. And she's doing it and not being like just being bold about it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I love her. It's because every time I see her, I, I watch her almost as a fan, as a friend. But then, you know, that's like one of your family members just going on and excelling. So for me, I'm just proud of her. You know, I just really am. And really, Kaylin, when you think about Karina, she has that same effect and always has had that same effect, right? To light up a room, light up a team, light up whatever she's doing. I'm assuming you feel the same way, Kaylin, about Karina that she feels about you. Well, I think it's one thing that I've never really told Karina. The reason why I am the way that I am is because I've been around people like Karina. I was never the really, you know, in your face, not in your face in a bad way, but to leave a mark in a room before. I was a really quiet child. I you know, was very, always very competitive. But when it came to the social aspect, I was always very reserved because of bullying growing up. So I think it was obviously just being around powerful women like Karina and around, you know, teammates within the Canadian women's national team that allowed me to bring out my personality. Cause I think it was always there. I was just not able to bring it out how I wanted to bring it out. And so obviously being around Karina and kind of seeing how she navigated the media world because she was really the, the first person from our Canadian team that, that started in the media world and you know so for someone like me that I looked up to her as the player and then saw her doing great things you know with Fox covering World Cups uh, you name it she did it and I was like I want to do that and it was always something in the back of my mind that I knew I wanted to get into media and then just having someone being able to pave the road in numerous, you know, different avenues like Karina's done. It's really allowed not only myself, but I mean, you see players within the Canadian national team that are still playing, doing media, Diana Matheson, Carmelina Moscato, Janine Becky. And that comes down to people like Karina that really paved the way for all of us, both on and off the pitch. I love that you mentioned Anna Matheson because her retirement really made me reflect on how amazing Canada has been and how many superstars are out there. And, and really, then you think about the fact that Christine Sinclair is still playing and hopefully going to make a difference over in Tokyo. Karina, when you continue to watch Canada grow and you watch the women's game grow, how does it make you feel? So proud. I mean, first of all, Kay, you're making me cry over here, so thank God. I'm not on camera for too long. Um, it, it makes me so proud because I think when, when I first joined the national team, there was like eight people in the stands and, and it was a different conversation to when we retired. You know, it was sold out stadiums. And, and, and I think to Kaylin's point is that we were able to connect to all Canadians because we had different personalities. We had different looks. We had different, but we were connected on the same thing of inspiring that next generation. So looking at the team now, going to possible like, you know, back to back to back medals, that's the goal. It's, it's incredible of what the team was able to do and the impact it can have 
on not only our country, but the entire region. So I look at Canada and I'm just so genuinely proud, not only of what we've accomplished, but what the women have gone on to do, as we're talking about, and will go on to do. Like this group of women, when they retire, they'll go on to do big things because our legacy was never just about winning a medal, winning goals. I mean, as, as we're talking about right now, look what Kaylin's doing in the world. She, she's doing men's games. She's doing so many different leagues and the world is getting to see our talents and we were able to use the sport as a platform. And I think that's what's exciting. I'm not just so proud of the wins and the losses. I'm proud of the impact that these women have, are doing and will do for just young girls and women to, to look up to. I'm going to ask Kayla in a second to rattle off all that she is doing because you're right. She's everywhere and you see her everywhere and you always see her smiling. And like you said, it makes you <laughs> smile back. But I also want to point out that I felt like you guys realized after getting that bronze medal in 2012 that this is a big it moment. I don't know if you remember this, Karina, but Kaylin says she does. She might have just been trying to make me feel good, which Kaylin is so good at doing. But so I started with U.S. Soccer in 89. I was the press officer of that first 91 team. So I was around Michelle Akers and all these women. And I had that affinity for the game way back when, which also means I'm an old fat guy. But in 2012, I'm at the U.S. Open Tennis Tournament. And you guys had just come back from the Olympics. And you guys are walking around, <laughs> and you and Kalen. And let me tell you, man, heads were turning. They were spinning. You guys were fly, as they would say, if they were hip, which I'm not at all. And I'm telling you, everybody, all their eyes were on you. And I walked right up to you because you and I had met earlier and had a conversation and Kaylin was there and there was a bunch of other teammates there. You might remember that they were there, but can you talk about that it moment coming off of that bronze medal? And because I feel like all of you have really used that moment, right? And, and that's what you're supposed to do, right? Seize the moment. I think, I think for someone like me, because I was very young, well, younger in 2012, and it was always a dream of mine to, you know, be in the Olympic games and then let alone win a medal. I really soaked it in. And by soaking it in, I mean the after parties, the consumption of you name it, I drank it and I enjoyed every minute. And I'm not ashamed to say it because you work so hard. And like when you're working so hard for that goal, you don't get to go and do and enjoy those things with your family and friends. And, you know, on a Saturday night, have two bottles of wine. Not that I drank two bottles of wine. Um, I do do that now though with kids, I find. Um, but I just think that that was something that, for me, after the Olympics, I enjoyed it. I mean, I did everything that you do as an Olympian. I did the after parties. I went to Vegas with my girlfriends. Um, I went, obviously, at the... We were talking about this, Dean. Genuinely, I can say hand on heart. I don't remember it clearly. I remember meeting you, but I just remember just enjoying the moment and, like you said, soaking it in. And and I'm, I'm always honest. I'm always honest to a fault. But, yeah, that was something that I was not going to let the moment slip by and I definitely didn't I think I, I partied for three months post the Olympics because we had no you know soccer after that we had no professional um going back to because we had like a few uh weeks off but then it was back to work after enjoying that moment so I think for someone like me dreaming of the Olympics as a girl from Saskatchewan and, and not a lot of well I think it was the first Olympian for soccer in Saskatchewan I was soaking that in and I, yeah, I enjoyed every minute of it. I did New York with Karina. I did Vegas. I did, you name it. I was there and um, I don't regret a minute of it. <laughs> Karina, do you remember yeah, that US Open moment when you guys were there walking around and everybody was looking at you, watching you, wanting to see what you guys were all about? so funny that you said everyone was watching it because I think we were watching everyone. I think we, to, to Kaylin's point, I think it was just kind of like, what are you doing? And we're just trying to text and be like, okay, we'll meet you here because 
you dream of winning a medal and you don't really know what life's going to be like after. And we're like, wow, we're invited to this. Let's go. You know, and I think it was just that mentality where I'm laughing because Kellen's like, I just remember just having so much fun, you know, like everywhere we went, because again, that team was a team that was so connected and our purpose was like, okay, winning a medal is the bonus, but we want to be great Canadians that the world knows. We want to be that best example. And all that hard work, like Kay just said, was like, it was time to enjoy it. And we just enjoyed it in different capacities. We're invited to so many different things. Like I remember just being sitting there at things being like, why am I here? Like, is this a joke? And, and people cared, right? And, and I think to the point of, I'll never remember coming home from the Olympics. We all went to our own different cities and I flew into Vancouver. And the, the flight attendant when we landed was like, you need to freshen up. I'm like, you need to freshen up. How are you going to tell me to freshen up? Like, I'm rude. But it was because when we got off the plane, they were singing the national anthem. Like, the doors were shut. And it was it was just one of those moments where, you again, you dream of the medal, but you dream, don't even think about what happens after. And it was the opportunity to enjoy it with Canadians and then travel the world. And people thought we were awesome and people wanted to see the medal. And it was just... You know, it was it was a lot of fun, and and it it's a different conversation you have, let's say, after you win a medal, than than the first time we went and we didn't. But it was, I, I'm laughing thinking about the moments because it was, and I'm so I feel so grateful to be able to have enjoyed it with teammates, right? It wasn't just like we went off and did our own thing. We all did, but we were able to enjoy it together, which was pretty special. Karina, I love that you touched on the the flight home because. I almost missed that flight because I was celebrating. And I know you're laughing because you remember that. I I think I got on a bus with the water polo team or something because I'd missed the soccer bus getting to the air. I ended up making it, but that was the one thing that the flight attendant said. She was like, I'll get you a nice glass of champagne, but you'd want to freshen up before we touch down. And I was like, why? I think I look like a million bucks. I mean, make one from the night before. And now looking back at pictures, I was like, Jesus, I probably should have maybe put a brush through my hair. But yeah, it was it was so cool touching down, obviously, in Saskatchewan where there was like so many people. Well, it was Toronto where we touched down first and it was like crazy because that was my connector through Toronto. And it was, it, it was insane. Like you felt like you were Jennifer Lopez at the Super Bowl. Like it was wild. Like it was super, Absolutely. super cool. And a moment I wouldn't forget. The cool thing, it wasn't just like young girls and women. It was grown people. I remember there was like a 80 or 90 year old woman and she was just standing there crying with a flag held out around her like it's images like that and like the media like even to the extent where they had the cameras here and their faces were to the side because they wanted that moment and it was just like I, you just can't dream of it because you're, you're like this is this is what it means to do something you're passionate about you do it for the right reasons you give everything to it and, and hopefully in the end, it turns out the way you want it to. And then for us, you know, obviously Canada versus USA, you know, we, we played the U.S. to go to the gold medal match. They went, we didn't, we thought we'd let the country down, but the country still loved us and it was pretty special. I love that you're still being reflective and realize how it helped catapult you to do great things and continue to promote the women's game that we all love. You know, one of the things that uh, I've always been about, like I didn't want Michael Jordan to ever stop playing. And you think about 2012 and now you see Christine Sinclair. I don't think we should stop talking about what she is still doing today. You guys saw what she did in 2012. She's still doing it today. We'll start with you, Karina. And then Kalen, you jump in. 
aren't you amazed at what she's doing? And don't you think is if you can keep playing, why not keep playing, right? Honestly, what Sing does is it's it's so interesting because to hear your perspective of it, all obviously Kay and I know the behind the scenes, but she's continuing to blaze a whole trail of just her own. And in Canada, when you go into Canada, she's a house, everyone knows about her. And again, it comes down to who she is on the field and off the field. And I never want to have, have her stop playing, but at some point she'll make that decision whenever it is. We won't know. We'll, we'll probably all find out together because that's just how the sink is. But like she, she made us all better players, better humans, better people. And, and I think that's a testament to what she's, I mean, people see the record and, oh my God, she broke this record and she's scored more goals than any man. And that's phenomenal. But when you actually sit down and have a cup of coffee with her and, you, you know, her humor, it's a bit dry, but you appreciate who she is and her, her expertise with her art and how she just thinks it's not a big deal. You're like, say, no, like you're a big deal. And she's like, shut up. Anyway, you know what I mean? I think that just adds to the amazingness of who she is as a woman. And I mean, I just love her. And, and honestly, I, as long as she she's playing, we're in good situations. <laughs> Everything you said, you've nailed it. But the best part about her, I mean, I'll be literally wheeling her out there in a wheelchair to keep her continuing playing for Portland and for Canada, because I can't imagine the Canadian team without her. I don't think, and it's no disrespect to anyone. I just genuinely don't think we have someone that could ever be a Christine Sinclair. Now there's been talks, you know, the Jordan Heidemas or um, the Janine Beckys. And, and again, it's no disrespect to them, but it's just what Sink brings on the pitch. Like you look at her, her records. I mean, one of the leading goal scorers in the NWSL, then the leading goal scorer for both men and female internationally. Like Cristiano Ronaldo is not even close to her. And I, I think people forget about that. You see Fox post about it. You see all these people finally posting about Christine Sinclair. And I think the one thing that I've noticed now being in the media world, she didn't have that before. I don't think people genuinely knew who Christine Sinclair was because she played for Canada. We didn't win anything until the Olympics in 2012, but she was so much more than that before 2012. And then the best part about her, like Karina touched on is her actually off the pitch, like just sitting there having a margarita with her. I, I sound like an alcoholic, the amount I'm talking about alcohol, but I'm allowed to know because I'm retired, but just having a margarita with her. She's just a genuine cool person. She's hilarious. She's so funny, but the best part about her is that genuinely off the pitch, she is one of the most greatest human beings that I've ever met. And she, she like just knowing her, you just want to do good things. So Christine is like, well done, like to get a well done from Christine is like getting, you know, a well done from your parents. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's weird to put into words because she's a great friend, but she's just a better human. I'm the most humble as well. Like just, that's why everyone who plays with her, is gonna not you can't find a bad thing to say about her because she makes everybody feel important and she's humble with it she can walk around saying i'm the best you guys listen to me do this but she's like no what's best for the team that's cool i don't need to talk about myself so just makes puts her in a different category than most it's interesting uh, i don't want kaylin to be humble right now as we ask this last question kaylin uh, as you're at bn i want you to tell us everything you're doing as we say goodbye and then we're going to spend time with karina talking about some cool initiatives she's doing with united soccer coaches as the head of women's football Concacaf. but kaylin as we say goodbye to you tell us everything you're doing in the media world yeah so i started obviously in the media world with tsn doing color commentary um just for like a little canada summer canada games um and then it kind of blew up from there i, I moved myself and my family to Miami where I started with BN Sports and 
I'm a color commentator for them. Um, I've been lucky enough to do pitch side reporting for El Clasico Real Madrid Barcelona match, which was insane um, in uh, in Madrid. And then I've been hosting my own show every Monday and Friday with them. And then I was the first uh, female color commentator in North America to color uh, games for both La Liga and Liga with Atletico Madrid and PSG, which was a really cool moment in my career. Just being the first woman to to do something like that on that magnitude. Obviously, I'm so grateful that BN gave me that opportunity. I obviously cover NWSL with you, Dean, which is like my most favorite thing. Uh, I'm not just saying that. I, I, I do love covering the women's game because I'm trying to grow it. Um, it's a difficult one, if I'm being honest, because, you know, the fans are very fickle. You say one thing wrong um, and they jump down your throat, but I'm there to grow it. Like they, we, we want to get eyes on the female game. Um, and that's allowed me to, to color commentate on um, Champions League games um, in Europe for the women, which was really cool as well. And then I have some stuff in the woodwork. I can't, I'll tell you guys off the podcast, um, but I have to sign those contracts first before I can say anything publicly. But just some really cool stuff uh, later this fall, which I'm really, really looking forward to. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to, to continue to grow the, grow the game, both globally and internationally and domestically, both male and female. Awesome, Kayla. Well, I know you're headed to BN right now. Thanks so much for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me. Karina, we'll, we'll jump on a FaceTime later. Love you, girl. All right. Love you guys. See you. Bye. Thanks, Dean. Thank you, Kayla and Kyle, a big-time media personality and a two-time Olympian and two-time World Cup player for Canada. We are not going to let Karina LeBlanc go. We are going to Come back and talk about all she has planned in her big, big role with CONCACAF and tying it together with United Soccer Coaches. More Karina LeBlanc when we return. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. You know, Jeff Van Dusen, who uh, really does an amazing job with the United Soccer Coaches Convention, is so excited about his interactions with you and really encouraged me to reach out to Karina LeBlanc. And I'm a Karina LeBlanc, I love her, always have. I'd be happy to do it. And as the head of women's football on CONCACAF, there aren't enough women coaching on, on CONCACAF national teams. And you're trying to start an initiative. It's still in the early stages, but the goal is to get more coaches involved and to get involved with United Soccer Coaches and get higher licenses for women. Just talk about, share with us uh, that sort of plan and how you can tie it in with United Soccer Coaches. You know, for me, it, it, it's been an interesting journey. After I retired um, from playing, it was kind of like they call it the athlete's first death, right? So you're like, who am I in this world? Because for 18 years, I represented my country, and I am Korean LeBlanc, the soccer player, the Olympian, whatnot. And you go into this, this, this place of unknowing, and I think I was able to connect my passion, my purpose. I was able to become a UNICEF ambassador, which was exciting and you know, have those those moments where it's like, wow, this game is a platform. And so here I am, I travel to Honduras and, you know, used to traveling with the team. And I'm like, okay, UNICEF, let's go. First trip, we're doing it. So get on a plane, get another small plane, boom, 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 boom. And again, this even actually happened because as Kayla and I were talking about in 2012, we just kind of said yes to most opportunities. And I was at dinner one night 
with with at a table that my everyone at the table was unbelievable. I was just asking people questions. Who are you? What do you do? Because I was trying to figure out myself. And one happened to be the COO of UNICEF. So eventually I'd be named the ambassador. And I pull up to this town and it's this dirt gravel road. Dean, you and I would not play soccer. We would just be like, let's talk. And these girls, young girls come running out, 13 and 14 year old girls who are literally putting out their babies because they only know what they know. And for me, I showed up. And as we know, the most important thing in life is about showing up. So show up and I'm like, what am I going to do with these girls? So they all start jumping up and down. And right away, and you know this about me, it's hard to make me awkward or silent, <laughs> right? Like put me in any situation, I'm fine. And immediately I noticed five big jerseys and they had little holes in them. I'm like, where'd they get these jerseys? And they're like, what's the ball? What's wrong? I'm like, where'd they get these jerseys? He's like, it came from a Canadian years ago. What's, what's wrong? Those jerseys in the middle of Honduras were from the first ever club I played with in Maple Ridge, BC, where I grew up. And it hit me. I was exactly where I was meant to be doing exactly what I was meant to be doing. And it was one of those shifts where I knew that this game that had given me so much, I had the responsibility to give back to. So when this opportunity came about at CONCACAF, it was a new position, never been with there before. I had a women's football. It was the opportunity to develop and grow for all 41 of our countries, which is North America, Central America, and Caribbean. And so I, when we started to kind of lay out, we put together the strategy. And one of the big things was how do we grow participation? How do we change the perceptions? And how do we build sustainable foundations? And it is partnering with the right people. And so this fast forwards to Missy Price and then Jop, where we're like, listen, what can we create with this best convention in the world? How can we give the opportunity for young women and women in the sport so that they can feel seen, heard, alive, that they matter? Because throughout our region, it's like, as we know, women's, women's football is almost like a, a new conversation, right? It's not North America where we go back to 2012 or we go back to 99 World Cup. For a lot of our smaller countries, it's like, oh, this is, this is awesome, women's football, yes. Now's the time. And for me, it's been, it's been with Victor Monte Tagliani, our leader, and Philippe Maggio, our general secretary. It's like, let's put women's football, let's put the pedal to the metal, let's lead, let's do things, let's find people who want to do the same things as us, and let's go. And I think what's exciting is that we're working together on a project where we can get women to come to this beautiful event in Kansas City, learn network, feel seen and heard, so it goes back out into the region and we just continue to grow the game as we all want to. And this is such an important step, right? Because once they experience that, those are life-changing moments, right? That networking opportunity at a United Soccer Coaches Convention. You know, I remember going, um, because a couple of years ago, I, I coached at Rutgers while I was still playing professionally. And that's pretty <laughs> to say, but I remember going to the convention I remember going to the convention and being like, this is amazing. Like, there's so much going on here. There's so many people I know, whether coaches who coached me or former players. And there's just the environment that, you know, especially talking about coming from a team environment when you're surrounded by like-minded women who want to do the same thing. It's the same type of conversation that goes on here, right? You're surrounded by people who love the game who want to grow the game, who want to develop the game, who want to learn with that growth mindset. And it's one of those things where you step in and you're like, wow, 
So imagine this from a woman from maybe, you know, Barbados or Jamaica or Mexico, where they can step in and they can say, these are like-minded people. I feel seen and heard because that's one of the biggest things when it comes to women in sports is how do we make sure we all feel seen and heard and let me grow and let me network because you don't know where that network's going to teach you. And at CONCACAF, we're almost facilitating, we're going to do our own kind of co coaching curriculum around it, but what an opportunity. You know, I know how special it was for me at that time. And I was trying to figure out what was next, but now we get to do that it, 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 with CONCACAF and especially CONCACAF W it's all about the women. We're saying we belong. We belong and we want you to come with us. We want you to feel that we're, you're a part of it. You're important to us. And it's a different conversation, Dean. And it's 41 countries, but or members associations, as we call it, but 41 different realities. And here we are to get to come in. We'll get to share ideas, talk, do big things. So from my perspective, we're excited about it because it's, again, just aligning with allies that get it. And that's what we have here, people who get it. So with this initiative and other initiatives that you're working on as the head of women's football for CONCACAF, Karina LeBlanc, what would it mean to you if in five years, and maybe that is too early, too ambitious, but you know, we're all want to dream. We all want to make the women's game better, but let's say in five years you looked and, and you weren't talking about the percentage of women coaching anymore because you liked the numbers in CONCACAF. You liked the numbers in college soccer. You liked the numbers in professional soccer. Soccer, what would that mean to you in your all-important role? It would mean everything because it, it means that we've developed the game within our confederation. You know, I mean, getting more women coaches, getting more pathways for the players to know that you can go through the NCAA and get a full scholarship. You know, I grew up in the Caribbean and I moved to Canada when I was eight. And I remember when um, the time came for recruiting. I remember when coaches were calling and actually, I went to University of Nebraska. So John Walker said, listen, I'd like to offer this scholarship. And my parents from the Caribbean were like, what? What? And the look in their face, that experience in that moment, we can do for so many, right? There's going to be more slots in the World Cup now. So that would mean if we get better coaches, we'll get better programs, we'll have more women. You and I know the power of this game for a young woman. I know it because it's my reality. But we're not only just going to get more World Cup slots, we're going to get more presidents, more CEOs for them to go back and just rule their countries and do big things. Like you just talked about what Kaylin and I have been able to do. It feels weird to talk about myself in that aspect, but we want that more often. And it's not just going to be with North America now. You're going to be looking down the line throughout the entire region and seeing how the games impacted women. And through coaching, we know the power of coaching for a woman. Right. Even refereeing. There's so many avenues that in five years from now, to your question, what can this coaching convention and what can all these different programs we're doing at CONCACAF for the women? I just hope that we just have a force to reckon with. You know, a lot of people look at different confederations. We have a unique confederation. We do. We have, you know, it's not small where travel's easy. You know, it's not the same realities all over. But if we can walk away knowing that we improved lives through our game, knowing that we helped young girls feel seen and heard and confident to go on and be the women they were meant to be in this earth. If we can do all that, and this is the starting point, hopefully this is every single year we do it, 
then you've won. You know, you, you talk about KPIs and the numbers, the, the numbers of women in coaching is so low, it's shocking. We're doing our part of CONCACAF, but it's on every single person that's listening today that goes, to, you know, that's in Kansas City and puts up their hand and says, what can I do for women's football? If we all do that and not just say, okay, I'll do this, but I'm talking about the call to action, the action steps. And they look at, you know, this is our confederation. Let's make this personal. Let's not just do what's right in the U.S. or Canada. Let's do what's right for all of us. So that the next World Cup, you're not just seeing Jamaica as the first time coming in. You're seeing all of our countries, but newer countries. And we can get on that bandwagon, and we're all cheering for that, that young, small country that's now going to a World Cup and saying, you know what? It all started because of us. It all started because this action step that I did. And I don't mean I, I mean whoever's listening. But I think the most beautiful part of what would make me most proud is that we all collectively get into this conversation. We all collectively get into this cause and we all do something, you know, we all do something for the young girl that we know. Maybe it's, I mean, I have a new daughter. She's a year and a half. <laughs> so for me, my why is quite clear. I want to make it so that first of all, I'm her hero or I'll call it Shiro because I want uh, she Captain obvious, but I want it so that she grows up in a world where her opportunities are endless and she doesn't have to fight the same fight that we've all had to fight, but that this game, whether she chooses to play soccer or not, this game or whatever she chooses to do will help her just be a platform for who she's meant to be on this earth. I think that's what sports does. And you and I know this is what soccer does. You see it every day when you, you know, you're commenting and commentating on different women and all the aspects that you're doing. You see it every day. And I think what's exciting is that this is a platform for us to do that at a global level. I see it every day, but I'm honored to be listening to from you. And I'm honored that you use the word beautiful because Karina, you always have been beautiful inside and out and your message is beautiful as well. I look forward to hearing more of it in Kansas City and more of it in your role as the head of women's football at CONCACAF. An honor to kick off the show with you, Karina LeBlanc. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks, Dean. We just gotta make it happen. <laughs> Congrats on your daughter too. What's her name? Her name's Paris. Paris. Yeah. All right. She uh, changed my life in the most beautiful way. You know. I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks for always being for so sweet to me, Karina. I appreciate it. I'm just yeah. glad we got to reconnect. And yeah. let's stay connected. Well, yes, let's stay connected. And I know Jeff Van Dusen and everybody at United Soccer Coaches wants to help you in your all-important role with CONCACAF. Yeah, for sure. Let's. Let, we're also going to be launching or relaunching and rebranding um, the week of August 21st. So there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up. So I'll make sure that at least our communications team has you on there because it's, and this is some of what we're talking about with, I didn't talk about it with uh, Jeff, but we're looking to do some big things, maybe getting like Victor and, and, and all like really utilizing this conference convention for everything that it is, because I think it's a great pathway. It's something unique we have in our confederation that other confederations don't have. And I think we need to build this relationship and make it beautiful. So we're going to be doing some stuff. So I'll check back in with you once I have more details and, It'd be great to just have that conversation about that as well. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Karina. All the best. All right. Take care. Bye.
How cool is that? Karina LeBlanc, the head of women's football for CONCACAF, of course, a five-time World Cupper and two-time Olympian for Canada, saying right here on the United Soccer Coaches podcast, the value of attending the United Soccer Coaches Convention for the entire CONCACAF region. That is exciting indeed. Thank you, Karina LeBlanc, and also thank you, Kaylin Kyle, the big-time media personality who also starred for Canada for kicking off our show. Coming up next, Karina LeBlanc mentioned playing at Nebraska. Well, we're going to have the new head coach at the University of Minnesota, and Aaron Chastain played at Minnesota when it became varsity in 93. She's going back to her alma mater after great success at DePaul, and before that, as an assistant coach at Santa Clara, and she also worked with Marsha McDermott, a former president of United Soccer Coaches, Aaron Chastain, the new head coach of the University of Minnesota women's soccer team, when we return. Hello, college coaches. This is Dean Linky with a special reminder. Registration is now open for the United Soccer Coaches College Services Program. Registered programs have access to a variety of benefits, including eligibility for awards and rankings, individual membership discounts, a dedicated liaison working on your behalf with organizations like the NCAA, NAIA, NJCAA, and so much more. United Soccer Coaches helps you develop your entire coaching game the way you help your student athletes grow as people. For more information or to register, please visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, a power-packed show with power-packed women. That includes the new head coach of the Minnesota Golden Gophers, who I get to call on the Big Ten Network. It's Aaron Chastain. Of course, you'll recognize that last name, but it was Aaron Hussey when she was a Minnesota Golden Gopher from 93 to 97. And Aaron is going back to her alma mater to lead the Golden Gophers. I love those kind of stories. Aaron Chastain, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here talking to you and to be at my alma mater, which is pretty much a dream job for me. Well, it's incredible. And we did talk before we went on the air. So there's so many ties that we have, but I kind of want to get your story. Talk about where you grew up in Minnesota, why you decided to go to Minnesota, how you enjoyed playing for Sioux Montaigne at Minnesota. Then we'll get to the other steps to Santa Clara and Marsha and all that other good stuff. Yeah, I grew up in Wyzetta, Minnesota, which is a Western suburb. And I, when I was looking at choosing a university for college, I, I looked at a lot of schools out East and Minnesota de decided to add a program and make it division one, which would be my freshman year. So I looked at that as just an awesome opportunity to go to a great public institution. And they were going to have a ton of support from their athletic department. And it was just going to be fun to play in front of my, my family and have them come to games and, and get an outstanding education. So I think that was really why I chose Minnesota. And then I obviously enjoyed my four years there. I had a great student athlete experience. Sue was an awesome mentor and coach for me. I think she's, anyone know, that knows Sue knows how competitive she was. We won a big 10 championship in 95 and she was really fun to play under. So I think I overall just had a wonderful experience as a student athlete. Remind us what position you played and then tell us what you did out of college, what you majored in and what you did before you got back into coaching, which will tie us to another friend of mine and Marsha McDermott. 
Gosh, I ended playing a four as a forward and that was my senior year. And I kind of bounced around between midfield and forward for Sue, depending on the year and depending on what team we had, but mostly I think I identify as a forward. So I studied international business in the Carlson school of management. And obviously I'm not using that degree right now. I worked in sales and then in advertising for a year and then really decided I needed something that was more rewarding. I happened to be working in Northwestern University soccer camp. I got the chance to watch Marsha McDermott coach at that camp. And I thought she was just incredible from inspirational to motivational to smart. And somehow I was fortunate enough that she called me after camp and said, Aaron, do you want to come be my second assistant? It's $6,000. There's no benefits. And I said, sign me up. And I think that first day of preseason was when I knew I wanted to coach. And it, and it's really hard not to sit and watch her run a session and just be part of how much she invests in the relationships of the young women that she coached to think, gosh, this could be an awesome career. So that really was what kind of started me in coaching. And I, I was able to work with her for a couple of years before she left for the Carolina Courage job. And then had the opportunity to go work for another great coach in Jerry Smith at Santa Clara and was just a, a wonderful opportunity for me to continue to learn from, from great coaches. Wow. Two great names. As uh, you know, I was the voice of the original Courage and this current Courage and Marsha McDermott. I mean, she's like E.F. Hutton when, yeah, you're right. When she's talked, you want to listen. And really, Jerry Smith, I actually give him the doctor title. I know he's not a doctor, but I call him Dr. Jerry Smith because when he talks, he sounds like a doctor as well. Incredible experience for you and Santa Clara, now the reigning national champs and all these personalities. And you meet your husband with this incredible name of Chastain. And of course, you know, I was the press officer of that 91 women's team and I met Brandy early. You married her brother, Chad. Talk about all of that. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. I mean, I guess we're a soccer family through and through. So pretty incredible to just be out at Santa Clara learning from Jerry and then obviously meeting Brandy and, you know, I mean, I think in 99 when she scored that penalty kick, I was in my friend's wedding and we were in the basement watching the shootout and the bride actually said, let's finish and watch the shootout before we, you know, we were supposed to go out. So, you know, we remember those wonderful moments and now I get the opportunity to have Brandy as my sister-in-law and learn from her and, and see all the wonderful things she's continuing to do. So I think it's obviously she has a different role in my life now, but it's certainly fun to have a soccer family and her and Jerry have been super supportive as I've kind of progressed in my career and um, I think they'll be two of my biggest fans. Well, let's talk about that progression because I know one of the major steps was DePaul. Am I missing anything before DePaul? Because you've had a great run at DePaul before going back to your alma mater. Yeah, no, just Northwestern, Santa Clara, DePaul, Minnesota. So those are the four, four stops. Talk, talk about your experience at DePaul, Erin. What, uh, what made that time so special for you? Yeah, I mean, I think when I took that job in 07, it was a it was a big rebuild. I think um, they were in the Big East. It was it was a different Big East than it is now because there was Louisville and Notre Dame and West Virginia, so the teams looked a little different. But I mean, I poured my heart into that program. I that's a it's always going to have a special place in my in my heart. You know, we had some wonderful teams there. In particular, 2014, 2016, those were probably our two best teams in my 14 years. But 
it was really fun to go in and put my mark on the program and, and recruit high level student athletes. And now to see some of those young women playing professionally, whether it's, you know, Kelly Hubley at the Portland Thorns or Sarah Gordon with the Chicago Red Stars, I think it's really fun to, to watch what great things the, the DePaul young women are achieving. And, and I'll always be proud of that program. Well, Yet your alma mater, you get word that Stephanie Golan is going back to her home state of Missouri. The job is open. Can you put into words your anticipation, your excitement? Because obviously, you know, there's other great coaches that wanted this job, Aaron, as you know. Can you talk about your excitement of just having the opportunity to first go for it and then wrap it up with the excitement when you heard you got the job? Yeah, I mean... I knew Steph when she was at Minnesota and she obviously did a great job and I just didn't think she would ever leave. Coming from Minnesota, I know that's hard to believe if you're not from Minnesota, like why? But um, I didn't think she'd, she'd ever be looking for another job. And so it worked out for her to go to Missouri and, and this being open for me, I think was surprising, but then I just wanted to give everything I had to go after the job because it, it really is my dream job. I mean, I, I had a clause in my DePaul contract that I had no buyout for this job. And that was the only job I had no buyout for. So I think that speaks to how genuinely Minnesota was a place I wanted to be. And I saw my career at some point. So I think, I mean, I was nervous. I was excited. It was a short process, but it felt like a long process. And I feel really fortunate and honored really to, to be here leading this group of young women and leading this program. And it's a special place for me. As I said, I had a wonderful experience as a student athlete here and my whole family lives in Minnesota. So I think the opportunity to, to be around my family and also be able to, to lead this program is just a dream. So was it a phone call that said you got it or was it an email? What was the final word that said, I got it. I'm going back to gopher land. Yeah. Um, Tom McGinnis, our associate AD, who's my direct supervisor, he called me to let me know. I think it was on a Thursday and then Mark Coyle followed up really quickly with a phone call and really the administration here, I felt it on my interview and then since I've started this job, I have just been surrounded by such a nurturing athletic department and wonderful people. So I think that's that part has kind of just really stamped for me that this is the place for me. You know, I don't always get to call the games on site the way they, you know, work now with micers and that type of thing. But I will tell you, I've called more than a handful of games at Robbie Stadium, and I love that atmosphere. I love coming to Minnesota, and I mean that sincerely, not just because you're on the show right now, but it's a great little atmosphere for women's soccer, is it not? It's awesome. I mean, I think uh, we averaged... 850 fans a game there's no men's soccer at the university of minnesota so i think that also contributes kind of to the environment that we have and the fan support that we get from the community it's an awesome field you know deborah olson helped build that field in honor of her mother and she was a donor for our program when i played at minnesota so i actually had the chance to have breakfast with her on my interview here and and we've been able to stay in touch so it's really kind of full circle in that sense but the stadium is is incredible. The surface is incredible. It's it's really a wonderful place to play Big Ten games. All right, it's early days, but what is your hope 
for me as a Big Ten Network broadcaster to be able to describe Aaron Chastain, Minnesota Golden Gopher women's soccer. If I had to sum it up in just one sentence or so, how would you like to see it? How would you like to say it? I would like to say that we, you know, we're building a Big Ten championship program and that we're going to work hard and we're going to represent the state of Minnesota and the university really, really well in all the areas that that we need to, which is academically, socially, athletically. And hopefully we play a fun attacking style and we're organized defensively and hopefully we make the state of Minnesota proud. And Aaron, how do you do it with not a whole lot of time, right? I mean, this turnaround from the spring because of the pandemic into August when you start, that's not easy. How do you approach that? The timeline is super quick. Um, The nice part about that is we get to be with our team really soon, which I think is a positive um, because that's the best part of our job. The challenging part has been putting putting a staff together. As you know, I know you had Michelle on who took the head coaching job at DePaul and was my former associate head coach. And I fully supported her in, in that, but then that, you know, it just makes it a little more work for me because I have to find a staff. So we just completed our staff, which I'm really, really excited about. Just been on the road recruiting and meeting with recruits and talking to recruits and trying to get everything in so that August 2nd, we can hit the ground running. Because this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast and we have coaches at all levels, what was important for you in looking at assembling your staff? I mean, you've already been a head coach and a successful head coach, but what was important in identifying the key traits of an assistant coach, Aaron? And are you allowed to name the names? Can you announce who who's on your staff? I'll wait on the one. I think I, sh- I the one will be official probably tomorrow, but I am retaining Maya Hayes, who was here with the program for a year. And that's really a no-brainer. The funny part about that is, as I was kind of making staff decisions, I was on the road, and anyone I would run into would say, congratulations on the job. You're keeping Maya, right? <laughs> like, And I was like, yes, I'm keeping Maya. Maya's awesome. I actually, for the first time, got to see her run a session, and it was just a little session at our, at our ID camp yesterday, but she's going to be a phenomenal coach. She is so detailed, has so much passion, and automatically commands a lot of respect for what she was able to accomplish in the game, where she played and who she learned from. And it was really fun to kind of watch the energy she brought to the session and and also the detail about, you know, specific ways you're receiving the ball and passing the ball and which angle you're showing at. So really fun to have her on staff. And then we're gonna have Tara Hobbs, who was a goalkeeper for Minnesota, be our volunteer goalkeeper coach. And she'll be awesome also but obviously the soccer piece is very important you know can you communicate about the game can you can you actually run good sessions can you get the players to buy into what you're what you want them to do but also then from a character perspective it's someone that's loyal and hardworking and going to do things the right way and Those are the pieces that almost become the most important because they're going to be leading this group of young women and we're going to be making an impression on them every day and influencing them every day. And we just want to make sure we go about things the right way. You're creating a family. So speaking of family, as we wrap up our time with you, what does Chad Chastain think of this move to Minnesota? He's psyched. There's a lot of golf courses in Minnesota. He loves golf. Minnesota is a familiar place for our whole family because I have, you know, our girls have cousins here. And so I think that makes the move a lot easier for us. And I, 
I really think Chad's just proud of me and proud of the work I've done in my career and that I now get to coach games at ELR and recruit wonderful young women to, to the University of Minnesota. So I think he's he feels really good about that for me. You said wonderful young women. Can you share the names of your girls and how they're doing and what they're up to? Yeah, Harper is 12, so she'll be a rising eighth grader and Brooklyn is 10, rising fifth grader. And they're really excited. As, as I said, Minnesota is very familiar to them. Their grandparents are here. And I think they're excited for a new adventure. I think we're just hitting the age range where if we waited a year or two, that might be more challenging socially for them to move. But I think we picked a good time and they'll be at the games and be two of my biggest fans for sure. Finally, Aaron, as we're so thrilled to have you as the head coach of the Minnesota women's soccer team, we are definitely a family at United Soccer Coaches, formerly the NSCAA. Can you just end with a thought on what the association has meant to you and your development? The resources that we're given from United Soccer Coaches are, are incredible, whether it's weekly sessions or these podcasts where you're able to jump on and learn from different personalities. I think the direction that it's been going the past several years in particular has been awesome. So I think as a resource for coaches at any level, it's such a valuable tool. And I know we're all looking for different ways we can help our professional development and learn. And there's so many great coaches in the soccer community. So I, I think that's my favorite part is being able to go on and, and look at a session and say, oh, that, that would be a fun session to try with my group. So um, certainly grateful for, for the organization and for all the work they put in on a yearly basis to, to help coaches develop and grow. All right, as we say goodbye, I will tell you another tie into family. Mark Ryan, who's been an associate AD at Minnesota for a long, long time and is one of the all-time great people. And I feel like that's what Minnesota always produces, just wonderful people. He was one of the first people to tell me that you got the job and he was pumped. That means the athletic department is pumped. That's got to make you feel pretty good. It does. I, I mean, it's super flattering, but with that's going to come a ton of responsibility of getting the job done and, and making sure we, we make our athletic department proud of Minnesota women's soccer. And so that will be my job and our team's job. And I'm excited about that. But certainly, as I said, the, the support from this athletic department has been incredible. All right, I look forward to getting to know you even better as we have some of your games on the Big Ten Network. Aaron Chastain, the new head coach of the Minnesota women's soccer team. Thanks so much for being on this all-women United Soccer Coaches podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And we're not done with power-packed, impressive women as coming up next, she'll be the next president, by the way, of United Soccer Coaches in January in Kansas City when it'll be the first time ever a female-to-female -female gavel handoff as Dr. Missy Price, who was on last week's podcast, will hand off the gavel to Dr. Ashley Fontes Comber, and we spend time with Dr. Ashley Fontes Comber after this message. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer 
I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the Digital Convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer and again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to another jam-packed United Soccer Coaches podcast show. I'm so pleased to have this show featuring all women and all wonderfully talented women. No exception as we meet a vice president for United Soccer Coaches. She is a doctor. She is a superstar. And it is my pleasure to welcome Dr. Ashley Fontes Comer, vice president of United Soccer Coaches, among other things, to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Welcome back, Ashley. Hey, Dean. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we had doctor. We got a lot of doctors, by the way, a lot of powerful doctor <laughs> females as well. Dr. Price was on last week because it's sort of halfway through kind of her tenure as president. And I call a lot of games and usually halfway through each half, I'll ask my analysts for an update. So I thought, you know what, let's ask our president and our incoming president kind of halfway through how things are going. But let's start with the fact that Dr. Misty Price reminded us last week that in January in Kansas City, it'll be the first ever female to female gavel handoff from one president to another president when Dr. Missy Price hands the gavel over to you, Dr. Ashley Fontes Comer. That's a big deal, Dr. Fontes Comer. How do you feel about that? I mean, it's certainly a, a special moment. Um, it's always great when we can can see change actually happening in front of us. So it'll be special, but it's going to mean something different to everybody. I just hope we can capture the moment and do justice for what it actually is. And how are things going in your final year as VP before you take over as president? Can you give us an update? It's hard to separate this year from last year because it's this whole transition, right? That everyone's been going through, the whole world's been going through with with dealing with COVID, you know, really starting back in March of 2020, and then just trying to get through that, right? And trying to figure out how do we get through that? How do we adjust? And then flipping over to, to 2021, you start seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. It seems like we're, we're going in a, a better trajectory in terms of society as a whole, specifically with COVID, just coming out of it. So now it's, there's a lot of focus on, you know, you're just trying to be nimble, try to make sure specifically the association that we have the appropriate strategic direction, granted what all is happening with the landscape, how things are changing, how people receive things differently, what are comfort levels, you know, how do we need to adjust to make sure we're doing justice to the, the association, to its membership, and making sure we're positioned correctly in the landscape for that. Again, to sum it up, it's, it's been hectic, but um, look, it's a it's a truly a great team 
that we have on the board. The national office has been fantastic. Our advocacy groups are absolutely phenomenal. So it's it's a true collective and collaborative effort to to keep things moving and to figure out, hey, where where do we need to be? Where do we need to go based on how things have changed phenomenally in this last year and a half? The last time I spent time with you, I described you as a superwoman, a super mom, and you've got all this <laughs> academia, you're super structured, you're super disciplined. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if maybe you're already thinking about some things you might want to accomplish as president. Maybe you're not that far down the road. Have you thought about that already, about some of the things that you're looking to try to do during your run as president beginning in January? Sure. I mean, I, I've thought about them, but again, it's it's tough because- like I mentioned, you, we just have to be really nimble. Um, things aren't totally settled in right now. We're still definitely in a, a transitional phase of, of trying to get back to normal and figuring out what is that new normal? Is it how it was before or are there things that we need to carry over and integrate to make sure we have systems and processes set up with a, a strong strategic direction to guide us through even tougher times, but to come out you know, more resilient than we were before? You know, as president, obviously, number one thing is just to, to lead the association in the appropriate strategic direction. It requires that, that flexibility while we're, we're transitioning. Um, but what I can say that I'm really concretely looking forward to is getting back to our in-person conventions. That is one thing that is absolutely certain in my mind that I'm looking forward to, you know, starting my presidential year. I've missed that. I know our members have missed that. Uh, you know, we, we had to make do last year and Jeff and his team did a phenomenal job of putting on a digital convention, which was great. But just to get back and to, to see people interact and, you know, you wait for that every year to come around so you can bump into people you haven't seen in, in 20 years and then people you've seen just a, a few months ago. So Definitely looking forward to those, those in-person conventions. And then, look, the plan that I have is, is just be flexible, be nimble, listen to the membership, and, and lead the strategic direction based on that. I applaud that answer, and I really appreciate it. And I'm like you. I've had the opportunity to experience a lot because of soccer, and I feel blessed, and I'm grateful, and I never take it for granted I like your lead answer on that, and that is just being at the convention to start your presidency. And I want to remind you that one of my special moments at the last live convention was just spending time with you behind the curtain at the <laughs> awards banquet, you know, and talking about Wayne, of course, the former Lions coaches, you know, I'm from Toledo and, you know, that relationship as well and, and how you've grown. That was a special moment for me. I hopefully you remember it as well. I really oh, enjoyed it. And, and you were super kind to me, uh, you know, with that, and we did this before, cause I had you on one other time on the United soccer coaches podcast, but mm -hmm. if you don't mind and, and trust me, you're not bragging because what you've accomplished is incredible. Can, can you tell your story again, you know, how you got into soccer and then talk about where you got all your degrees and what you have a doctorate <laughs> in? Can you share that with us, please? Sure, I can try. Everyone has a story, right? And there's certainly different types of adversity people go through. But I started out, look, my, my dad was a professional. He coached collegiate football and then professional football, American football. And um we moved around a lot. So the saving grace for me was sports. I loved to compete, ended up getting into soccer because one of my friends said she was going to go play. So I did, I didn't play, you know, I played on a travel team and set the bench, but then it was just something that I really loved to do was just compete and compete at the highest level. And once 
as pathways became clearer, I understood that, you know, I want to play in college. Um, so did the, you know, the typical ODP route, played for the incredible Michigan Hawks and uh, ended up getting a scholarship to Florida State, played there, had a phenomenal time. You know, we set a lot of firsts down in that program, which was, again, just once in a lifetime experience. And from there, played a, a couple of years in the, the W League before that folded, got into coaching, you know, the United Soccer Coaches was my first look into formally learning about coaching, which was great advice that I got from Paul Ellis, who was local to the, the Northern Virginia area. Started my co coaching licensing there, went straight through and um, from there, just, you know, it really enjoyed impacting those, those aspiring athletes. Um, got connected with the pro game with DC United Women, running director of operations um, there, and then starting the Washington Spirit, which was, again, just an incredible experience. When you look back, it's like, how can you be so fortunate facing so much adversity, right? It's always like clawing and struggling and trying to, to figure out how do you advance when you might not necessarily have the, the right support information or allies, you really have to dig in and, and find your own grit and determination to do that. While I was with the Spirit, I, I earned my master's in leadership from Northeastern University. And then once the Spirit, uh, it kind of came to an end for me, I found my next challenge to pursue my doctorate, which I would have never have dreamed of doing. Look, I was that kid that went off to college that first year and lost control and was on academic probation. I had no idea, like I didn't understand the value of education. So to now be at Florida State finishing up with my dissertation right now, it's unbelievable. That is definitely something solely for me, something that, that I needed to achieve to see if I could even do it. So I'm at the tail end, you know, I have a, it's a PhD all but dissertation. So once that, that dissertation comes through, that is going to be a monumental moment for me personally. And I, I'm sure my, my parents do, cause it's, it's a little unbelievable <laughs> in a sense, just based on my pathway and how just stubborn and defiant I was as a youth, but then tying it back to United soccer coaches, my first year with my PhD, I was elected to the board, which again, just super, super appreciative of it. I wanted to make sure that knowing that I was leaving the game in a sense in a full-time role I wanted to stay connected and I felt that I was very much in a place in my life and career that I had acquired enough knowledge and skill set that I could give back and make a difference so again just a, another phenomenal and uh, much appreciated opportunity I'm so glad you shared that story you know I broke into U.S. soccer in 89 mm -hmm. with Anson and the women's team as they're getting ready for 91 and then had the opportunity to be the voice of the original Courage back with Marsha McDermott and to mm -hmm. see where we are now from then back in 1999 and 2000. It's really incredible. And yes, there's still some adversity. There's still some things that we're not happy about. And we're talking about equal pay and those kind of things. But when you look at the numbers of TV attendance for the NWSL, mm -hmm. we know the Olympics, even at 4.30 in the morning is going to be incredible. <laughs> On this right. show, we have all women for a reason. I mean, it's time to to be proud and say, look at what we've done, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. There are, and, and it's great to have platforms like this and, and you're seeing other platforms come up that are spotlighting women. Like there, there have been efforts. It's not, 
I mean, that have gone on for, like you mentioned, like when you look back in 99, there's, there's efforts that have been gone that have gone on for decades and maybe there just hasn't been a space for the voice or space to, to spotlight those, but there are so many incredible people, women specifically that have been fighting that fight and pushing things along. And now I think, you know, with this, this whole societal movement that's gone on for the last few years, this women's movement has really put a lot of pressure on organizations, associations to say, hey, you need to, you need to start paying attention. You need to start making space because it was never an issue that the women's game or, or women that were involved weren't capable. It's just that people were in the way. You know, the, the decision makers are in the way and they have a, had a very closed mindset of thinking, hey, it's not a viable product or these aren't viable candidates. Well, now that they, they can't say that anymore. And if they do, then they're, they're going to be in trouble and they're going to be held accountable. So I, I appreciate the movement. I appreciate everybody that's involved, women and the allies and, and everything like that. I, I think it's, we're definitely making the necessary strides forward. Of course, another big movement is Black Lives Matter. And Dr. Misty Price pointed out, not only is it a gavel to gavel presentation of a female to female, but also a female of color. How important is that role to you as well, Ashley? Ooh, that one, that one's a lot. That's, that's a massive weight for me. Sometimes one, I don't feel that I'm worthy of. There's a, a lot of representation there for, you know, across the board because you know people of color women of color I mean there's a there's a lot of different segments there I just hope and I know I will do my best to be while being authentically myself trying to be the best representation that can inspire or applaud other women of color so there's I mean there's a tremendous tremendous weight there I just hope I can do that segment, those segments proud. That's very well said. And I know one thing that you're also proud about, and I already mentioned, and that is being a mom. How about getting us <laughs> on, on how your youngsters are doing? <laughs> oh, that's the best thing I'll ever do in life is that I have my, my daughter, she's 14. She's going into high school and um, my son is 12 and he's going into seventh grade and it wouldn't, you know, everything I do, it would just, it wouldn't be worth it without them. They're great. We have a great time. You know, summertime, I always, you know, say is my, my favorite time of the year because I, they're mine again, right? I get them. We can do these, these spontaneous trips, you know, over the weekends, or we can go biking or, you know, just have fun. They are my reason for everything. And they are a blast and a pain in the rear at the same time. Like we all know as, <laughs> as parents, but they're just, it's just fun. Right. And they're doing great. And uh, it's great to see, you know, look, we've been incredibly fortunate and blessed, you know, through COVID that we haven't really been affected, um, which I know is uh, there's a lot that have, have suffered, but with saying that, I think seeing them get back into the social scene has been really important. It's been really tough for kids. My kids were out for, for most of the year and then they went back to school and it was, I don't think you realize what transpires until you go through it. And they were really missing a huge piece of their development in life because they weren't engaging with other kids and just having those fun moments, you know? So seeing them this summer, you know, um, being able to go up to the, the neighborhood pool with their friends and 
you know, get my, my credit card bill back. And I'm like, what did you order? I'm like, and who did you order for? You know, so being able to, to have those moments have been great. And uh, again, super appreciative that, that we, we do have a life that, that we've worked so hard to have. Well, I'm super appreciative that you're able to join this Power Pack show of Power Packed Women. Dr. Ashley Fontes Comer, I look forward to seeing you in Kansas City, and I look forward to working with you during your presidency. Congratulations on everything, including being a wonderful mom. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate that. I look forward to seeing you in Kansas City as well. Wonderful, inspiring women. I want to thank Karina LeBlanc, Kaylin Kyle, Aaron Chastain, and Dr. Ashley Fontes Comer. Also want to thank Sean Chevrolet, Jonas Worth, Bailey Conklin, Erica Dyer, Jeff Van Dusen, all the great people at United Soccer Coaches. For each and every one of them and all of you as members, I'm Dean Linky, and we'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.